Hi, I am Katina Horton, the Love and Freedom Toxic Relationship Recovery Coach. And today's Bible teaching is entitled, The Misuse and Abuse of Power. And before I get into the Bible teaching, I just want to remind you that we do what? We wear a tie so that we can make an impact. And that means we're analyzing, we're troubleshooting, we're implementing, empowering, and impacting the women in our homes, communities, and around the world. And so the quickest and easiest way for you to do that is to hit the like button and then to do what? To share this message. And so without further ado, I'm going to get right on to the Bible teaching. When you watch TV, right, and you got the commercials that come on, there are some moments where you know the commercial is about food. However, all of a sudden you forget that that's what the commercial is about. So you're thinking, well, how can you know that it's about food, but then you forget? What happens is that they'll show the food item, right, on the screen. They'll say the name and usually the brand we're very familiar with. Think about chocolate, right? And the next thing you know, you'll see a woman with some red lips. The chocolate is dripping. And then you forget about it. You're like, wait a minute, what am I watching, right? And you see a couple going off into a bedroom. So then you're thinking to yourself, okay, is this commercial about this type of chocolate? Or is it about going to bed with someone? You end up with this spirit of confusion coming in, right? Because of what you have just seen. But they set the commercials up like that intentionally to pull you into a sensual uh, situation, right? And that's what food does, right? And so what happens is food is very sensual, it's very physiological, and it makes me think about the other night I had, um, about a week ago, I made some vegan burritos for my mom and I, and we were eating, we got to the point we were eating the burritos, there was very little talking, and if there was talking going on, we were discussing how good they were, right? Or going, mm, oh my goodness, right? So you heard very little talking. <laughs> you know, you heard the jaws moving and, and the food going down and talking about how it was so good. But there was very little talking. And we was what? We were doing well when we were talking. We were dissecting all the different ingredients that I put into the uh, vegan burrito. So food can be very tantalizing. It can be very seductive when you present it, when they present it at commercials, right? It can be very physiological and you get just the right spices in a stew or something, right? You start putting that cumin and curry and uh, ginger and turmeric in there. And the next thing you know, your grief will actually start getting worked up and coming out. I know I've experienced that just by the different spices that we put in, right? And so we have to be very careful with food because it deals with the individual aspects of one's entire being. It hits on your emotional, on your mental, on your physical, on your relational, on your social and uh, spiritual, intellectual, financial, and professional being. There's not one area in life that food is not associated with, right? And even when it comes to as Christians, you want to you offer somebody to go out for a coffee and a muffin, let's go to the coffee shop. Let's go out and eat for lunch. Let's go here and there after church. Whether it's an unbeliever or a sister and brother in Christ that you want to uh, confront about something, food is an easy way to disarm a person and to kind of break the ice, right? And so what happens is that one thing about food is that 
once your emotional barriers have been broken down slash you're disarmed, there is no telling what it is you might do. And you might think all of this over food. Yes, food is very sensual. It involves what? Touching, tasting, smelling, feeling, right? Hearing, all of the different senses are involved. And it's the same way when it comes to dealing with a narcissist, for instance, you might have told this guy, you know what, this is the end. You, you finally realized your self-worth and like, I'm not playing these games anymore. I'm done. But then the next thing, the very next thing, you know, because he knows you're all into food, he's inviting you out to dinner and then you're in the bed or he uh, mentions because he's a chef and he knows you're a chef. He starts talking about food and maybe you can make this meal and that meal for him. Right. And then you. Well, we, you know, I know that our relationship is over, but you can still invite me over. We can still cook together, right? Either at my house or at your house. Now, how is that going to happen? You're going to be in a bit of a relationship with someone who, who's a narcissist, right? And this was this person you were romantically involved with, but you're going to be able to go to his house or either over your house. And all you guys going to do is fix food. I don't think so, right? And you already had said you were done and it was over with. But when it comes to food, it's something about sitting eating food that disarms you and makes you start talking and 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 just like when when you you can be intoxicated with food you can be intoxicated with a uh, liquor you can be intoxicated with food and just like you can be intoxicated with liquor you can also be intoxicated with what the love bombing of a narcissist right and so what happens is because this individual knows your weak areas he knows your proclivities he knows your natural gifts and, and talents and abilities and all of that, you like silly putty in his hands, really, right? And so what happens is that your uh, your decision-making and judgment is off. Once you get intoxicated with that love bombing spirit, right? You do things you wouldn't do under normal circumstances, right? This is all dealing with food and food being used as a weapon, right? And so if you were sober-minded and not intoxicated with that food, right? then you would be able to think things through, right? We're supposed to be using food to help us what? With our physical needs. But a lot of times we take it and we use it as a weapon. And we even have to be careful when it comes to food and dealing with children eating. Where if you do this, you'll get that. And of course, we want them to eat their food and have the dessert for last. But if we're not careful at the end, if we're not careful at the same time, food can be looked at as a type of reward system and can also set up children and or other people with issues that they would normally have, right? And so we have to be very careful with that because then we they're tying food into what? Love. I know I'm loved because I'm giving a lot of food, right? Or I know I'm loved because I'm giving little food, right? Or I know I love, I'm loved because I'm punished for food. So when we start tying food and using it as a weapon, right? to emotionally, mentally, spiritually, physically, uh, sexually, any other kind of abuse to someone, we are on shaky ground, right? And then we got Jesus in the wilderness, right? The Holy Spirit sent him into the wilderness. He had been fasting 40 days. He had been without food, right? But then he goes and he gets what? Tempted. And see, this is often what happens with us. We're going through a wilderness season. We've been sent into the season for us to what? Transition, for us to learn how to live properly, to increase, right? To learn how to like, basically. To live, to increase, to enter, and then possess Canaan, right? That promised land, right? And we're also supposed to do what? 
We have to learn how to deal with being tested in the wilderness. We have to learn proper worship and who we're supposed to go to. Not just how to properly worship, but whom we're properly worshiping, right? We have to learn all of that. Because when you were in a relationship with the narcissistic individual, all the worship went to them. God wants to remove that from our hearts, minds, bodies, souls, and spirits. He wants all of that done and over with, right? And so what happens is that this narcissistic individual love bombed you so you could become intoxicated. And then you unknowingly are going to have to return the favor once it comes to the devaluation phase. That's all he wants is for you to admire him, right? You like a power supply with two, with a switch on the back of you. One switch is for you to be devalued, but the other switch is for you to what? To perform as a worshiper, right? And we're only supposed to be worshiping God. Is that correct? Yes, right? And so the thing about it is Satan tried to use his power to try to convince Jesus to use his power to interrupt the praise, worship, consecration, and sacrificial season of the wilderness because of hunger and to satisfy what? His cravings, to make it turn into lust, and impulsive instant gratification. How did Jesus handle it? He handled it with the word of God. How do you handle situations when food is used uh, as a weapon? The same way with the word of God, by the word of God, right? We cannot just live by bread alone as Jesus told Satan, right? Food is needed for our physical well-being. And at the same time, it's not the only thing that's going to sustain us in life. We need the word of God. And when people will use food as a weapon in order to test our allegiance and loyalty to God and test whether or not we're in a season where we still got to what gain approval from people, right? And whether we're going to have, we're going to do what float on God's stamp of approval or getting it from other people, which one is going to be more important? His approval, which he's already shown because of Jesus' death on the cross and redeeming us as sons and daughters. Which one are we going to believe? Once food is used as a weapon of power over us, the thing we traded for becomes cheapened. We devalue and despise it just like Esau did. And in scripture, in Genesis 25, it says, And the boys grew, and Esau was a cunning hunter, a man of the field. And Jacob was a plain man dwelling in tents. Isaac loved Esau because he did eat of his venison. But Rebekah loved Jacob. See, they had these favorites going on. Jacob sawed pottage and Esau came from the field and he was faint. And Esau said to Jacob, feed me, I pray thee, with that same red pottage. For I'm faint, there, therefore was his name called Edom. And Jacob said, sell me this day thy birthright. And Esau behold, said, behold, I'm at the point of that. What profit shall this birthright do to me? So like, what's a birthright going to do? I'm, I'm hungry. He wasn't thinking. He was hangry, as they say. And Jacob said, swear to me this day. And he swore to him and sold his birthright. He sold his birthright to Jacob. Then Jacob gave Esau bread and pottage of lentils, and he did eat and drink and rose up and went his way. Thus Esau despised his birthright. And whether it's your birthright or whatever it is valuable you have, when you allow food to get in the way, when you allow hunger to get in the way, when you allow approval addiction and perfectionism and people pleasing and the savior complex to get in the way, you will sell your birthright for some lentil stew. Remember, you are enough. Reclaim your power, soul, and identity today. And then I want to challenge you to reclaim the power, soul, and identity of your calling. Grab your keys to the kingdom and get 
your inheritance. Again, I'm Katina Horton, the Love and Freedom Toxic Relationship Recovery Coach. Be blessed. Sweetest 
mercies upon my ears And I won't go back the way it was again, again Change. I've seen the lights of 